Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everybody to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. Today, I am so excited to have um, my guest, Jerry Fu. As always, the goal of this podcast is to bring guests and topics that will help leverage what you're doing today in your business and take your business or your life to the next level. Let's tell you a little bit about my guest, Jerry Fu. He is a conflict resolution coach. No one listening, I'm sure, needs this, but I thought I'd bring it to you anyway. This his focus is on Asian American leaders, but I'm sure that what he's going to tell you is going to be good for anyone. He started coaching in 2017 to help other Asian American professionals deal with challenges they encounter at work with their families and within themselves. Prior to starting his coaching business, Jerry worked as a pharmacist, as you can see behind him, and began facilitating workshops in 2012. Today, he offers a range of coaching services, which includes individual coaching, group workshops, and keynote presentations. In his free time, we like the same things here, travel, going to new restaurants, and lots and lots of salsa dancing. Awesome. Could have a whole show on salsa dancing. I chose a theme of why coaching is so important to leadership. And the reason is that sometimes leaders think that they don't need a coach. And uh, we're here to tell you that's wrong. (laughs) So so let's join uh, or please join me in welcoming Jerry Fu. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Vicki. Hi, everybody. So I always start with an easy question. And that first easy question is always, where do you call home? Where do you live? Yeah, home is currently Houston, Texas. Uh, I've been here for the last 12 years now. I was originally here for college. I I left um, undergraduate after my junior year Mm -hmm. to start pharmacy school. And then after I finished up pharmacy school in Tennessee and worked at home in Knoxville for a couple of years, I moved back to Houston 12 years ago and have uh, can't believe how the years fly by. <laughs> but yeah. yes, I, I'm in Houston now. Hope I don't have to leave anywhere. I move anywhere. Awesome. Else. Yeah. Very good. It's been a while since I've been to Houston. I think it's probably about 10 years since I've been there. Hmm. So what, if, what got you into coaching? I mean, you're a pharmacist. At, <laughs> it's, it's just not something whenever I read it in the bio, it's like it just doesn't. It's not something you think about, although anybody could be a coach. And obviously, as we were talking before the show started, uh, conflict resolution is probably something 
that comes up when you're dealing with expensive drugs or people <laughs> that don't understand and you have to calm them down. But what, yeah. what was that driver? What pushed you into going into coaching? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, I guess the first statement I often share when sharing my journey is that leadership is what saved my career. Yeah. Um, and to elaborate on that, yeah, I worked for a, a chain pharmacy for the first five years. I was a pharmacist because mm -hmm. my my mother, uh, being an immigrant from Taiwan, didn't want me to have the same career struggles that my father had, despite having a master's degree in both computer science and chemical oh, engineering. Wow. And so she wanted me to have the stability that he never really had. And on one hand, it was very well-meaning. I could, I can certainly appreciate that we're all looking for some level of stability, right. but that stability cost me more than she wanted me to, uh, you know, mm. wanted to admit that it cost me in terms of just burnout and quality of life. And yeah. after I'd had enough, uh, after five years, I said, I need something different. And so <laughs> I leveraged my connections to get a teaching job through a pharmacy consulting company that I moved to Houston for 12 years mm. ago, and then proceeded to get fired 11 months later. And part of that was an aversion to conflict. I didn't like dealing with problems that mm. I didn't want to admit that I'd cause. And I didn't like it when my boss was upset with me, which kept happening more and more frequently until the company said, nope, uh, we've had enough. Sorry, you're done. Yeah. And uh, that was the first wake up call. Yeah. The second wake up call is six weeks later when I found another job, it ended up being a house of cars where four of my paychecks bounced filling for crooked doctors. So not only was I jeopardizing my license, I wasn't even getting paid for it. And how do you confront the boss who's clearly ripping you off? Not wow. in life's manual, right? So the struggle with conflict, the struggle with leadership, you know, I didn't know how to lead people well. I didn't know how to handle difficult conversations well, especially in a chain pharmacy where you're just taught to take the path of least resistance uh, whenever someone makes an unreasonable demand. Uh, it's just not fun. And uh, I, and then, uh, you know, no one tells you how to handle it better because that would mean that you're actually going to win arguments, right? <laughs> and so... Um, after I got out of that house of cards job, my friends helped me get on with another company that was more legit, but couldn't pay me more than eight hours a week. Mm. And so I asked them, well, what do I do to make up for the income gap? And they said, well, we have more hours available for you if you're willing to work at our Austin location, which is two and a half hours. I could end up in more cities. So I said, well, beggars can't be choosers. I'm going to work out in Austin. And this was 10 years ago now. Mm. So I'm working in Austin. I have no idea what my life is going to look like. And that summer was key because... Uh, some friends of mine who run a pharmacy leadership nonprofit said, hey, we know you've been facilitating workshops on the fraternity side, but one of our leader facilitators uh, ha had to back out. And so we were wondering if he could step in. And I said, absolutely. I love these. I love these pharmacist friends of mine. And so teaching leadership kind of changed my thinking around my own belief in myself yeah. as to whether or not I could be a good leader. And before I just said, oh, like I hated feeling incompetent. I hated having difficult conversations. I still hate them, but you know, I feel more confident in being able to engage them. <laughs> and so I said, well, what if I could be a good leader? What would that look like? How would I carry myself? Mm. And so when a full-time manager position opened up in Houston a couple months later, I said, absolutely. Had a great team in Austin. Love that, love that group. And I knew I couldn't afford to stay comfortable and I wanted to sleep in my own bed again. So I said, all right, going to come back to Houston. And I thought, oh, like I can finally exhale. 11 months later, <laughs> I get written up and put on probation because oh, wow. my uh, my technicians are not pulling their weight and I not and I don't have the courage to discipline them or fire them. 
Oh. Um, and so management said their behavior is a problem and your passivity is the bigger problem. Uh, we need you to get better at this pretty quickly. And mm -hmm. so eating more humble pie. And I said, well, okay, now what do I do? And so as I'm on probation, the company has their funding pulled. And so, you know, I was already looking for other work, but now it's just a little more urgent. And the only reason I got an interview with my next job was that I had leadership experience in my resume. So that's the first chunk of, hey, this is how pharmacy uh, still had a career for me once I uh, agreed to become a, a leader in, in pharmacy. And um, the problem, though, that still remained was that these smaller jobs that offered the quality of life I was looking for uh, didn't last very long. The business models weren't sustainable. So it was like mm -hmm. hopping from iceberg to iceberg as it melted. <laughs> and after about five years ago, when my last employer went under because of insurance trauma, I said, you know, I'm tired of begging doctors for scripts. I'm tired of fighting insurance contracts that dictate, you know, how much my time and energy and efforts are worth. But I love people development. So uh -huh. what would uh, a career in coaching, you know, facilitating workshops look like? And again, still very scared of failing rejection. So it was just more of a hobby than anything else. And then I decided to get formal coach training right as the pandemic ramped up. <laughs> and so with a very strange timing. Yeah, really. And in the process of surviving the pandemic, thankfully, like, you know, I'm grateful for my pharmacy job. That's how I paid my bills. Mm -hmm. And I realized I didn't want to put off this dream any longer. And in the process of being certified as a leadership coach, I had to ask myself, is this my niche? Like, what, would I, what was I going to focus on? And for better or worse, my own personal struggles, whether through work or through um, other relationships, like I had to evict a roommate at one point because he defaulted on his lease. And you just realize whether I chose conflict resolution, it's more like it chose me. And so that's why, you know, I, I have a heart for people who struggle with conflict because I myself still struggle with conflict. And yeah. the difference is that not that I've, I feel more confident in, you know, running toward the fire to put it out, but I, I, I have enough of a system in place to compensate when I know I don't want to put out the fire and I need to put it out anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it's been there, done that. You own the T-shirt. Yes, several. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, so you you gave us a great background and, and history to make us understand why you did what you did. But wh what is setting you apart from other coaches out there? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I think it's a combination of authenticity because I use the formula I give away on my website every day. Every time I run into a situation that I immediately want to shy away from or devolve into pity, I take my own medicine like every day, right? Um, another is just I, I know where to pull relevant stories and resources. Just I read a lot of interesting books, a lot of useful books. And, you know, whether I have a story to share from my own life or one from a book that would be useful to my clients, I'm going to find something that's going to grab your attention and something to study that you can, you know, really grow from and pull from. And then, you know, I, I believe just coming through for my clients, just showing up every day and okay. being there for them and being attentive to their needs. And I'll give a quick example because yeah, a pharmacist friend of mine uh, signed up for a, a career coaching program specific to pharmacy careers and, they, you know, she dropped several thousand dollars, you know, mm -hmm. for this program mm -hmm. and ended up 
you know, demanding a refund and thankfully getting one uh, because of my help. And so not directly because she already had a lot of good things in place, but just a little fine tuning on my part. But, you know, why would she choose me even after she initially, you know, thought that this program would meet her needs? Right. So I think that's one one clue to say, well, maybe Jerry's pretty good, not because I want people to know how good I am, but that I would be a guy, the guy that they need to to be their own hero. Right. In their own story. Sounds like you listen to their needs and give them what they need, which is always important. Yeah. yeah. So since you have been in the fire, what are some common mistakes that people are making with conflict? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I think some of the most common one is to not even think that a good outcome is possible, right? They've already, They've already written off the situation as something they have to deal with and that the other person is just going to dig their heels in and then, you know, well, hey, you know what? Better say something than not, but nothing's really going to change. And that's a, that's a, that's a common trap because if you don't believe success is possible, I mean, don't expect to attain it, right? It was, uh, another is to think that they have to strong arm people into compliance. They think, oh, I got to go in there and I got to twist their arm and show them that I'm right about this and they have to get on board with this. And, you know, when people are simply agreeing with you uh, just to get you off their backs, um, that's not good for the relationship and you're Mm -hmm. not, you're still not going to get the result that you want, ultimately want. Uh, A third is interrupting. That's a fun one. When you listen to respond instead of listening to listen, um, you're actually, the, the need to feel like you have to respond in that moment shows you're not really listening to them. And, and when people feel disrespected because you're not listening to them, uh, you're just escalating the problem. So uh, those are three of the top mistakes that I know I've made <laughs> that I know are very common when I have to coach people through situations like this. I think every married couple has got that last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it keeps happening. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's it's funny. In the opening, we talked about the fact that, you know, it's the conflict in work and and also at home and with yourself. But, you know, I think sometimes we deal with the conflict at, at work, our jobs, our careers a lot better than we do with those that we love. Yeah. And, and it's hard because at, at work, you can, you, there's still a level of distance to say, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I can cool off, I can create distance, or I can just fire the person, you know, if yeah. I decide I can, I can find a way to just not have to deal with this issue. But when, and the paradox of marriage is that the whole point of this is that you can be yourselves and be, yeah. like, be fully accepted and fully accept the other person. Um, and but it is hard because our nature mm-hmm. is is protection and survival instead of um, openness and vulnerability and a willingness to grow regardless of you know whose fault it is if we want to use that uh, yeah. phrasing um, yeah it is and I mean there's a reason why the divorce rate is is what it is is that yeah, yeah um, it takes a lot of work everybody's trying to be the right you know right and mm-hmm. and, and we know sometimes in conflict resolution it there isn't a win-win, you know, there is a compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, what uh, are some, what are some tips though, to resolve a conflict? We just started talking about it, but how do you resolve conflict effectively? 
Yeah, yeah. And so you can kind of take the flip side of some of the mistakes. And that's what kind of goes into the framework that I use for myself and for others. The first is to imagine that a conversation could be successful, right? And to say, hey, you know, maybe it could just be as easy as, hey, let me ask my roommate if he could stop leaving dirty dishes in the sink, right? Is it realistic? No, but is it possible? Yes, right? And so all you need is that glimmer of hope to say, you know what, maybe this can go well. Maybe, (laughs) you know what, I I, I won't know until I try, right? Uh, The second (laughs) Uh, which is uh, the favorite tip for a lot of people is to find 10 seconds of courage to initiate the conversation. Mm. Um, And that basically tells people, Hey, you don't have to be a superhero. You just need to be a superhero for 10 seconds. Can you send (laughs) that email? Can you send that text? Can you pick up the phone and say, Hey, I'd like to get something on your calendar so that we can discuss the situation. Right. Some people wait until they kind of game plan before they initiate this contact. And it's okay. Like these steps are not set in stone in this particular sequence, but for most people, this is what allows them to set the ball in motion, shut the gate behind them. So they don't fall back into rationalizing another common mistake where they say, Oh, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe I can deal with it tomorrow. Meanwhile, the fire is burning things down. Yeah. Yeah. Resentment doesn't go away on itself. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the second step. The third step that I use is to script my critical phrases to say, yeah. hey, let me not just let these thoughts rattle around in my head. Let me put them on paper. And now that are on paper, I can look at them and get them organized and make sure I include everything I want to say or at least figure out what the most important things are. And then now that I know what I need to say, how are they going to push back? Let me anticipate the ways that they will you know, have a rebuttal, you know, if I ask my boss for a raise and he tells me, oh, well, money's too tight to give you a raise. How am I going to respond to that? Right. Let Mm, me at least have something ready to say when I know I need to counter the counter. And then step four, it's not enough to list these on paper, right? You didn't just do homework. You actually have to make it come to life. And so practice your phrasing, iron out words so you don't trip over them in the moment. Practice with a friend, right? Rehearsal can only help you. You want to train in the dojo before you fight on the street. You want to get your reps in on the practice session before you play in the actual game, right? So you want to check your body language, check your tone. Is it calm? Is it composed? And then step five is to follow through because you didn't do all this work just to feel good about yourself. You did this to, to get some results. And the funny thing is, and this is where people realize that, hey, it's not a one-time shot and if, yeah. like, it failed, okay, I give up. Sometimes you may, maybe if that, maybe if the, you know, you tried and it's, and it just goes really off the rails. Okay. It's okay. Like at least I tell people, at least if you're going to have a falling out with someone, they should know exactly why you're upset with them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I've had roommates where I just held it in too long. And then I just realized, you know what, if we've already ruined the friendship, they should know exactly why like this friendship like didn't last. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those are the five steps that I use to help engage conflict more effectively. Yeah, I think you really can't discount how important or helpful role playing is. It, it mm-hmm. you know, with another person is great, mm-hmm. but at least do it in your mind before you go into that. It, it just is really helpful. Mm-hmm. And um, I think having it, as you get into that situation. Mm-hmm. If it starts to go awry, I always find it helpful to, uh, you know, let me just step away for a minute, <laughs> just d- disengaged and then re-engage, I think sometimes helps. What would your thoughts be on that? Oh, yeah. The more you realize 
that things are escalating and emotions starting to spiral out of control, it's always good to just call time out, right? Yeah. Just to say, hey, can we, you know, things don't seem to be going, you know, that well between us. Can I ask your feedback on things, right? To have that humility and say, hey, do we even agree on what we're working toward? Because if yeah. we aren't, we need to agree on that. Let, let's let's recalibrate, let's reevaluate uh, because the goal, right, I think is just to make sure that you get to a solution together. It doesn't have to be ideal. It doesn't have to be, you know, like you don't want to defer too much because that leads to resentment as well. But to be able to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, this isn't ideal. But you know what? We both work toward it. I'm willing to buy into it. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, um, if you need space, ask for it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously a case by case basis. Yeah. yeah. I think, too, it it's sometimes it is just to have both parties know that they were seen, that they were heard mm -hmm. and, and that, Hey, I, I'm not going to agree and you're not going to agree, but at least we both know, as you mentioned earlier, where we stand mm -hmm. and, and we agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a great example of a, there was a mine, that was acquired by an, a new company. And, you know, there was some debate between the new company that said, Hey, this, this financially doesn't make sense. But of course the miners are like, no, you have to keep it open. Their people's jobs are, you mm -hmm. know, counting on this. Right. And we have to find a way to make it work. And you just saw a lot of people just digging their heels in, but then they shifted to a more productive conflict discussion about what would it take for this to be the best option? Like, what would it take in order to keep the mind open? How could that be the best option? Right. And so now people are arguing over concepts as opposed to people. And, you know, the tough thing was that they came to the tough decision. Even the foreman of the mine endorsed the fact that they had to close the mine because they understood, you know, what we've, we, they pushed for our, our case. And we all agree that as unfortunate as this is, we have to close the mine. And this is, you know, how do you get to that point? It's possible, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. So what are the three most powerful questions as a leader mm -hmm. that we need to, to ask? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, some of my favorites are, um, what's the real challenge here for you? Mm -hmm. Right. So, and we're in the middle of a situation of telling us all these things. And uh, this first question just helps kind of distill the essence of what's really going on underneath. Mm -hmm. Right. Because when they say, Hey, you know, I keep telling my son to clean his room and he doesn't clean it, you know, and too often we as coaches and, and that advice hero mode, right. We want to say, well, try this, try this phrasing, try the, you know, give him an incentive, give him money or, you know, withhold his allowance or other things. But then if we ask the question, you know, what, well, what's the real challenge here for you? And you realize maybe they say something like, well, you know, I feel like a bad mother, you mm. know, if I, if I, if I twist his arm too hard. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, and then you realize, oh, now we're getting to the real issue, right. That this is what we need to solve. That's the prerequisite to anything external we do. Right. That's really um, key. Yeah. Um, another question is, well, what are you learning right now? Right. And just to kind of, kind of, as we said, we just kind of step back for a second. Well, what's, yeah, what, what kind of valuable lessons can we extract from this situation? Mm -hmm. And then a third one that we would like to wrap up with is, you know, well, what's your next action, right? Um, and that keeps people from pointing fingers. It yeah. keeps people from um, 
getting steeped in regret because it's always forward moving and it's also um, active because mm -hmm. they want you to say, well, what are you going to do next? Because that's really where the change happens is yeah. taking action. Because if you don't, you're stuck. <laughs> yeah, in that en your endless, vision stays, stays a dream. Right, yeah. you're in yeah. that endless resistance loop, regret loop, you know. Goes. Yeah. All right, it is, time is flying by. It is time for rapid fire. Rapid so fire. I have, I have five <laughs> things to talk about. Um, what are three life hacks you would have given your younger self? Hmm, yeah. Um, First one is just uh, take advantage of audiobooks <laughs> because if you're stuck in traffic, you're still learning something. If you're yeah. if you're taking a walk, you're learning something. If you're you know prepping food, you're learning something because you know it's it's like you could settle for what's on the radio or you could be intentional about the content you're giving yourself. And mm -hmm. I think that's one thing. Um, the second is to um, travel more like yeah. look for opportunities to really open up yourself uh open up your mind to new experiences mm -hmm. and yeah just that there's a there's a certain humility that comes from stepping into a country where you're just like okay i don't know the layout i don't know the language and mm -hmm. i need to figure something out uh, yeah. so i'd say that's the second one and then a third is um i would say um design a morning routine that generates momentum Mm. Right. Like, um, and this is a new answer. I didn't always use this. One. This is the first time I've said something that specific awesome. uh, from previous podcasts. And what I mean by that is to say, hey, start your morning off journal for even if it's just two or three senses, just, you know, dump what dump what's on your mind. Um, you know, meditate for like five, 10 minutes. Right. Mm. Uh, do a couple stretches. And, you know, when you have a routine in place that kind of helps center your mind and helps you stay present. Um, and you already feel like you've accomplished something that momentum leads to, to better things. Like, you know, I, I took this tip from Lewis Howe's book just to, Hey, make your bed. Right. Every Sometimes day. that's all it takes. Yeah. Every, every day. day. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually get mad now. Cause it's just, you know, I, know. I fluff the blanket once and then I'm just like, you know what? That's all it took. Yeah. Let me just, let me just straighten this. And then you're like, you know what? That's all good. Not what am yeah. going to do next? So, every day. Yeah. Um, why do you love salsa dancing? <laughs> that could be a whole episode. Um, <laughs> I know. But the simple answer is that, um, yeah, it makes you stay present. Um, it is musical. It's active. It keeps you in shape. You get connected with other people who are creative and active and musical. And, you know, the sense of connection you get when you're dancing with a partner or even if you don't have a partner and just the ability to express yourself uh, as if no one's looking, uh, it's just, it's, it's such a great, it's been such a transformation in my life. Um, mm -hmm. you know, from something that people used to make fun of and they say, oh, you know, no one would take ballroom dancing as an elective in, in college. And then, um, you see what mm -hmm. kind of community you're missing out on and you start to believe and just the, you know, just the idea of a growth mindset applies so much to dancing and to know that's just going to be a lifelong journey of improving and helping others, inspiring others to, to enjoy this as well. Uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's why I love dancing. It also helps that it took one skilled, pretty blonde to right. really, you know, be like, I want to, I got to, I got to show up for her. And um, yeah, you know, that, that also isn't, that's some icing that on the cake. Falls into play. <laughs> yep. 
So what three books, you talked about audiobooks. what three books are you reading now that you'd recommend? Oh, man. Yeah, I love, um, there's one called uh, Thinking in Bets uh, by Annie Duke, I think is her name. She's uh, she's an Ivy League uh, graduate who was in finance, but ended up becoming a poker player. <laughs> and so she oh. uh, has some great stories about, you know, how to take calculated risks. And mm -hmm. um, in, a, in an era of uncertainty more than ever, uh, the book is definitely relevant. What else do I like? Um, I, I love Decisive, which is along the same lines by Chip and Dan Heath. Uh, they talk about, yeah, how do we have a framework to guard against our neurological biases and to make sure that, yeah, we're actually making, um, you know, like wise decisions right. through our process and not just based it on defined by our results. Um, Designing Your Work Life uh, is a book I walk a lot of people through and one I listen to a lot on my own because um, learning to design a career that you really love yeah. and, you know, whether that involves just tinkering with your routine, changing your environment or having to reinvent yourself, um, it's all there. And uh, just to know that's an iterative process because even if you get the job that you love, like that may not satisfy you in another five years and you need to be ready to reevaluate and experiment more. So, yeah, those are. And, and I think that really ties into, you know, embracing uncertainty, because if mm -hmm. you're constantly knowing that you're you're reinventing and mm -hmm. change isn't a bad word. Yeah, absolutely. You need change more than ever. And the word agile keeps coming up, right, yeah. where you need to be you need to be nimble. You need to fail fast. You need to fail cheap um, because, yeah, um, mm -hmm that stability that we all want, um, you know, it's, it's not where we think it is. For sure. Who is your ideal client? Oh man. Yeah. My ideal client is, uh, an Asian American leader in their twenties and thirties. Cause they're at that, like, I won't say ripe, but that's the word I'm going to use here. The ripe age where they realize that, um, what their family tells them isn't necessarily relevant or accurate anymore. And, you know, they are realizing that, yeah, the culture they grew up in doesn't translate to the culture they work in necessarily. Mm -hmm. And then, and they're also reevaluating what it means to be successful. Mm -hmm. And so those are the people that understand, hey, you know what, I think I need uh, some kind of sounding board or an outside resource to really help kind of catalyze, uh, you know, calibrate my focus and make sure that I, I don't just dream up big ideas, but to actually mm. act on them. So, yeah, that's kind of what we tied into earlier. Yeah. You know, you, you can't, people need coaches, but you know, um, it doesn't matter how much they need them if they don't recognize it for themselves. Right. Mm. Like trying to rescue someone who's drowning when they don't think they're drowning is actually going to hurt both of us. So, <laughs> um, wait until they're, you know, you kind of want to get generate that awareness and that's right. great. If, even if they say, yeah, I know how much I need one and I still can't afford your rates. Well, Hey, at least you're honest. Yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. But you know, it, it's, as you said, it, it's a lot of the problems, especially entrepreneurs have mm -hmm. are unique to them. And, and you yeah. know, their, their moms or dads or cousins or brothers or sisters, mm -hmm. if they're yeah. not doing it, they don't know. Mm -hmm. And, and you do need somebody that's been there, done that. Yeah. yeah. What's the next big thing on your journey? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you who are audio only, uh, yeah, we kind of hinted at the fact that the shelves behind me are filled with drugs because I'm, I'm, I'm helping record this podcast from my from my day job, and so uh, the next thing on my journey is to help turn my part time leadership coaching business <laughs> to the full time uh, emphasis of my career. And so, yeah, I'm looking to really uh, kind of accelerate the growth. I guess is what I'm looking for, yeah. so that. Um, I don't have to keep relying on pharmacy jobs to help pay my bills. I, I want to be able to do coaching full-time. So that awesome. will be next on my list. Awesome. Well, let me go ahead and give a warning to those that are just listening in that I'm going to share my screen, but I will share the website for Jerry and he'll talk to you about a gift he has. So let me share my screen. All right, so Jerry's website is www.adaptingleaders.com, which is www.adaptingleaders.com. Again, that's adaptingleaders.com. So you want to go to that website, adaptingleaders.com, and find out more about Jerry. But he is on social media. He's on LinkedIn, and you can find it by his name, uh, he's put an E in there. So Jerry E. Fu, Farm MD. So that's uh, P-H-A-R. I guess if you just search Jerry Fu, you'll find him on LinkedIn. And I'll let Jerry talk to you about his gift. Yeah, yeah. So I'm giving away a free guide on the that in, in, unpacks the five-step framework that we referred to earlier in our conversation and you can find that at www.adaptingleaders.com forward slash guide, G-U-I-D, like dog E. Um, and there's like a great case study oh. that talks about how to, yeah, how that applies in a real life situation. And yeah, by all means, check out adaptingleaders.com. You can schedule a complimentary 30 minute call. Let me know how you're doing. Uh, check out the free blog for uh, life hacks and uh, summaries on useful, interesting leadership literature. And yeah, please, uh, but enjoy the guide. It's uh, a great value at mm -hmm. no cost to you. And uh, I hope it pays dividends when you apply it to your own life. That's right. And if you have a conflict coming up, you know who to call, not Ghostbusters. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's been such a great time talking with you. You gave a lot of great tips, wonderful background story. And, you know, it just goes to show, you, you know, you, you get up, you fall down, you get up, you fall down, but you don't give up. So I think that's great life lessons. Again, if you are looking for some more information, some more tips, please go to Jerry's website, check him out on LinkedIn and uh, definitely like the podcast and subscribe so that you can hear more of these great things. As always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it is up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nethling with Jerry Fu saying, Bye for now. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.